today's episode. Uh, today, uh, for our viewers of the podcast, you may notice uh, something different. Uh, our camera angle is uh, set up to the center, and that's because we are switching things up on the podcast. Uh, from here on out, we'll be focusing more on the lectionary readings. And so uh, that will be the springboard into our episodes. Uh, that doesn't mean that we're going to be solely discussing the readings. Uh, we're still basically related, so you know anything is up for grabs in terms of a topic. Uh, but the biggest change is that um, you know, within a couple of weeks, uh, Matt will be uh, leaving us as a permanent member. Uh, this doesn't mean that you know he will be gone forever. <laughs> he may show up for certain episodes. I'll be down um, the hall, quite literally. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're recording in the uh, Matt Hylam, uh, uh office, <laughs> and so studio, and so um, he will be leaving us though as a regular member to focus more on his on his artistry. Um, and so we are paring this podcast down a little bit in terms of our production, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not multiple cameras where it's just going to be a little bit more of a simple format. Mm-hmm. We're still doing weekly uploads, uh, but it's going to be me and Lee. And like I said, uh, the topic mainly will always at least be a springboard, um, starting from, uh, the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday. And so, because we are starting, we are uh, focusing more on the lectionary readings for the next Sunday. This is the, the Catholic, the Roman Catholic readings. Um, for Sunday, for Sundays, our uploads will be posted on Friday instead mm-hmm. of Monday. So that uh, that commentary that we have, uh, you know, the discussion that we have on the readings will um, be available to everybody uh, before the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'll just be more appropriate that way. And so, uh, funny story, though, is that Years ago, before we even came up with this idea for Basically Related, Lee and I had just talked about starting a podcast uh, on the readings. And so it's kind of coming back full circle that uh, that conversation that Lee and I had years ago is kind of coming to fruition naturally. Uh, mm-hmm. and so that's it's interesting how that worked out. Um, the pathways of God. The path, yes, <laughs> you know, mysterious to all. Yeah, <laughs> that you know, you'll get to your destination, but it might not be. How you thought? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, the other thing you guys are changing, I know, I'm going to just cut you cut you off because I know that this is a, a change you're doing. I wanted to say this at the beginning. Um, no more bonus episodes, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then you guys are opening up <clears throat> questions to the public. Yeah. Um, so if you have a question for Lee or Father John, you can email basically related podcast at gmail.com with any question you have. Kind of treat it like a virtual. Um, Theology on tap, <laughs> if you right. will. Um, whatever question you have, comments on the podcast, things basically related, um, shoot us an email, shoot them an email, um, and then they will just kind of answer them as they, they see fit. Either do a whole episode on it or tie them into the, the current episode that they're right. doing. Yeah. Yeah. And things, as Matt said, will still remain basically related because we're not going to just kind of look at the readings yeah. only in like a historical critical method or something like mm-hmm. just that point, you know, we're, we're willing to get into some medieval interpretation. <laughs> yes. So, you know, you kind of take a point and, you know, see the greater significance. So we're still going to talk about theology, mm-hmm. philosophy, psychology, yeah. culture, culture yeah. like, yeah. you know, like all the things. Yep. So it's not just going to be this only like, what does this text say? Only. Yeah. We're going to get into all the different yep. topics. So even if it's loosely related, like if, if there's something that, you know, that, like uh, during a current week, 
maybe we both saw a movie that came out and we want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. That's oh, yeah. also yeah. up for grabs right. too. We'll probably talk okay. about Dune. Right. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Just don't try to tie Dune into the readings. Yeah, we're not going to like force it into the interpretation right. of the. Well, there's the a bit of a uh, mo- mosaic, you know, mosaic, mosaic yeah. imagery with kind of the desert. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, when Jesus goes into the desert, that's poetry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Dune. Um, anyway, so uh, going forward, that's the game plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm excited about the new format. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm interested to see what Matt does with his artistry. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people have been wanting more music from Matt. So. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> yeah. So um, there's, I think uh, the future uh, is bright. Well, it'll be, for all it'll of be us. music and musings, right? Yes. Yes. So yes. I'm also point. not. I'm not done podcasting. I will be starting my own thing, but it'll be more related to. My artistry and yeah. just kind of general, more crazier thoughts that <laughs> y'all don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah, right. That as a priest, I cannot endorse. Exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, so anyway, any other um, I think thoughts? that's it. Yeah, okay. that's, those so, are the biggest changes. Yep. Future is bright, I, I hope. Um, <laughs> so, um, it's bright, just like the transfiguration. Good segue. Nice. All right. So that's, yes. <laughs> so our upcoming, um, this upcoming Sunday, um, instead of the 18th week of Ordinary Time, uh, is the Feast of the Transfiguration. So the Feast of the Transfiguration is August 4th. Is that right? I'm Sixth. sorry. Sixth. Sixth. Yep. August 6th. Yes. That falls on a Sunday. And so um, so the readings that we're getting for this upcoming Sunday are uh, pertain to the Feast of the Transfiguration of the Lord. Year A. Um, for anybody who's interested in the three-year cycle. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so. Yeah, there's. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I've preached on the Transfiguration before, um, not on this specific set of readings um, with, uh, you know, the um, this prophetic vision from Daniel for our first mm-hmm. reading, and also um, P- uh, the, the second letter of Peter for the second reading. Um, but the general gist of the Transfiguration with the symbols of light and the mountain, mm-hmm. um, I've preached on before, so we can get into that. Um, yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, so... It, what what strikes me about the uh, transfiguration first is that uh, it's the one miracle I would point to that fully reveals fully reveals Christ's divinity uh, in, in a way that other miracles um, don't come close to, except the resurrection. But we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. The resurrection is like the the full manifestation of Christ's divinity. The transfiguration, I think, is a close second, and it's it's almost a prefigurement of his. Um, uh, resurrection, but again, like I said, we'll get into that. Um, all miracles are revelations of Christ's divinity. Uh, the word miracle comes from the, uh, I should have done some more research, but it's Latin for to be seen, essentially. It's like where we get the Spanish word mirad mm-hmm. from, yeah. to see, or mirror, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a miracle comes from that same um, root word. And what we're seeing is Christ's divinity. We're seeing how Creation should have been from the beginning. Mm. And so any of Christ's healing miracles um, shows us what should have been. Um, sin is the cause of all suffering, corruption, and death. And so when people are lame, blind, mm-hmm. sick, our Lord comes to undo that, right? And that's the whole point of his coming is to undo the effects of sin. Mm-hmm. Lamb of God who has takes away the sins of the world. And so throughout his ministry, he's undoing the effects of sin. When he brings his disciples to Mount Tabor, which is the mountain in which he's transfigured, 
Uh, it's his three closest friends, right? Peter, James, and John. Uh, and he reveals to them like what this is. This is my interpretation, <laughs> um, but I think it fits into this uh, narrative of uh, miracles. Uh, he's revealing what man should have been mm. from the beginning. And so while we do see a full revelation of his divinity, we're also sh- seeing a full revelation of humanity. Mm. Um, and this this image, this 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 symbolism that's tied into the transfiguration of light uh, and being high up on a mountain has to do with a kind of vision. Again, mm-hmm. miracle to see. Um, light is that thing by which we see reality. Uh, the mountain is, you know, if you stand on a mountain, you have a vantage point like no other. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so when we hear that he's transfigured before his disciples, his face shone like the sun, his clothes became white as light. These are all symbols of like what we're seeing. Like mm-hmm. we're seeing the end of what creation is supposed to be, of what man is supposed to be. Uh, and it's through Christ that we're able to see that reality. Um, I'll stop here for a moment because there's, there's a lot more that I want to get into. Um, you know, he's on his right and left are Moses and Elijah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you have this strange directive from the, at the end of the um, gospel where he says, do not tell this vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. Which is like, what's going on there? Yeah. Why can't I tell my friends now? Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, but I don't know. Yeah. What are your guys' thoughts uh, on this, on these readings? Um, I'll make a comment that's somewhat related to the readings, but it is something related to Mount Tabor. There's something that Alice von Hillebrand talks about, and it's related to your idea of like the proper vision. Um, and she she mentions uh, using your Tabor vision when you see your spouse of like what you initially saw them when you fell in love with them, mm-hmm. initially how you saw them when you fell in love with them. Um, and she refers that to as the Tabor vision, which is interesting in contrast to like love is blind. And it's like, oh, because I love you, like I don't see your fault. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, uh, there's like a mask on or there's a, a veil over what really is you, as opposed to Alice's point, which is like that love of who they could be and like that, that, that fullness of the person is the Tabor vision, it's the correct vision. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. That's the correct one you should be using as your as your point of orientation, as opposed to like, oh, well, like when I'm in love with you, I'm like blinded to the reality. It's like, no, 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 that's more real than when you see all of the idiosyncrasies and it bothers you. It's like, we should be in full communion that we love somebody that much that we have that Tabor vision. So I I just like that that emphasis on like, this is the correct way to see things. And this is the revelation of the true sight. It's almost like, you know, we we talked about this on our last podcast, but the sense of wisdom, where you don't see everything isolated from each other, but you see how everything coalesces into the whole mm-hmm. um, and how they fit properly into the whole. And and to, to be wise and to have wisdom is a kind of vision, right? Like mm-hmm. the higher up you are, um, the, the more you're able to see. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that, that fits well with that yeah. idea. Yeah, so <clears throat> I was thinking from the first reading about um, how it's like this. It's, a, it's supposed to be a tie to the transfiguration, obviously. But I, I can't remember if it's also the re- – it may be one of the readings for the Ascension because mm-hmm. it, it still has to do with this uh, – Daniel's vision here has to do with this messianic king. Mm-hmm. So it has to do with – it's when, – when Christ is taken up in the 
the ascension. Um, it's just like he kind of goes, he ascends into the clouds, and you know the the apostles are looking up at him. It, but the same thing seems to be happening here at the Transfiguration. There's again this imagery of going up mm-hmm. and looking up mm-hmm. at at Christ transfigured. I I, I just can't. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I can't remember if there's a, a connection between the two, between mm-hmm. like the Ascension mm-hmm. and the Transfiguration. Well, right. What what um the uh, exact verse and even book is eluding me. But the readings for the ascension talks about the Son of Man coming on clouds with angels ascending and descending upon him, right? Yeah, um, right. And yeah, so yeah. that imagery with Daniel and the ascension is um, very apparent. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the, the through line maybe with that is that um, Christ reveals to us how, like, how man ought to be. And because once we recognize that, we recognize this as like reality we put that at the highest place in our consciousness. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we worship, right? Like he sits above all thrones and, and dominions. Mm-hmm. It's another way of saying this is how we act. Like right. this is the model of reality and we worship it. We don't get to judge it, right? It's not below us. Mm. It's something that judges us. Like that's mm. the standard that, that descends upon us. Um, yeah. I think it's um, another like full revelation. Like during the transfiguration, the resurrection, and the ascension are these moments of where the veil is kind of pulled back, yeah. um, as opposed to these, you know, perhaps wonderful miracles. Here, there's like a full manifestation yeah. of this mess- messianic vision that mm-hmm. Daniel's having. Um, we could get into some of the the symbolism because the, Daniel has this vision at night. He says mm. so. There's a lot of night, mm-hmm. darkness versus kind of like light, yes, day, bright. Um, so he says he has this vision at night. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Peter talks about that. Fix in your mind this this revelation as a lamp shining in a dark place. Mm. And then there's this. It's peculiar to me. Maybe someone can say how it's maybe more natural, but it says that in, in the Gospels, it says a bright cloud casts a shadow over them. Yes, I, I, I was looking at that. So I don't phrase. know if it's, yeah. so it could be two things. You know, the, it is possible that when the sun is behind a cloud, naturally speaking, when the sun yeah. is behind a cloud, it's bright, mm-hmm. but it, yet, yet you can still be mm-hmm. covered. Yeah. But I don't know if it's more mystical. Right. Like um, Pseudo Dionysius talks about like a ray it's called a, a ray of divine darkness. Mm. Mm. So yeah. it's sort of like this twisting of, you know, rays are usually rays of light. Right. You know, talk about rays of darkness. So right. I don't know. Clouds if usually bring darkness. So to say a bright cloud is almost you, contradictory. Right. Exactly. So again, I can imagine perhaps some scenario where the mm-hmm. sun is behind the clouds. But generally speaking, it seems like there's this, um, what, you, when it, what you want to call it, like a divine contradiction. Yeah. yeah. Of no, totally. Darkness mm-hmm. and brightness. So but. this is this is something that um, I wanted to talk about in relation to the transfiguration is the idea of darkness. Um, I think you you have to be a careful reader to pick up these moments of darkness because the 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 symbolism of light is so powerful <laughs> mm-hmm. that it's like, well, okay, light. You know, light is good. Darkness is bad. And Jesus is the light, and we mm-hmm. stay away from darkness. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's it. You know, but um, like I said, the uh, the end of the gospel. Um, uh, hints at his death, 
Mm-hmm. He said, do not tell his vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. I think what what's going on here is that in order to be bathed in light, you have to enter the shadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a necessary part of becoming divinized. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I was actually um, reminded of um, Caravaggio's painting, um, The Calling of St. Matthew, with this mm-hmm. um, reading. Uh when, when you first begin your life of faith, well, faith is often um, prescribed, uh, described as um, a way of seeing as well, which is mm-hmm. um, interesting. Um, but it, it's a little paradoxical because with faith, there's a sense of blindness, right? Or like you're stepping out into the unknown, right? Kind of yeah. like a cloud of light. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, so, like, that's the, what uh, Saint John the Cross would call faith darkness to the intellect right because the intellect yes. well, seeks it, it, to know but, exactly like your reason is shrouded right um, but faith is sort of a <clears throat> not in a negative sense <clears throat> but is, is a dark note. well and yeah. it's, it's not a um a shutting off of reason or an abandonment of reason but it's something that's like beyond reason like mm-hmm. you can't rationally um pr- uh, like uh, uh you can't reason your way through certain things you mm-hmm. have to have faith in order to like you know make a leap of faith that's mm-hmm. where we get that term mm-hmm. um and so the, the this uh painting of the calling of saint matthew is Christ pointing to St. Matthew uh, at his uh, tax collector station. Mm-hmm. And Matthew is counting his money. And what's fascinating about this painting, um, and this is Caravaggio's, um, there's an there's a Italian term for the way that he plays with shadow and light. Mm-hmm. And so the room, the painting, the scene is slashed in half with light and shadow. And you would think that, you know, as Christ is bathed in light and he's calling Matthew out of the shadows of sin mm-hmm. to, to draw him into a life of faith. Mm-hmm. But Caravaggio, being a genius artist, casts Christ in the shadows. Mm. Matthew is in light. And I think what this is getting at is that Matthew is um, enlightened by the comfort and security of his life, mm-hmm. his money. You know, his, uh, he's wearing like rich clothing. Uh, that's comforting. That's what he knows. But then Christ is pointing to him saying, like, come into the shadows. Mm. Like, abandon your comfort. And it may seem dark at first because it is. <laughs> yeah. You don't know. It's, it, it is unknowing. You're walking in the darkness. But that's like the hero's journey, essentially, mm-hmm. right? You're stepping out in, like, into faith. And then it opens up into light. Right. And so this is what I think our, our Lord is getting at, at the end of the gospel, where he's saying um, the transfiguration will be will be understood best after I rise from the dead because his resurrection after going through the horrors of the cross shed light onto who he is. Um, it's, it's, it's the revelation of Christ on the cross actually that we actually see the nature of God most clearly. Mm-hmm. It's like this sacrificial outpouring of love, um, but it's horrific, right? That is the darkness, right? Um, even during the um, crucifixion, we hear that like dark descended at three, you know, mm-hmm. in the afternoon, mm-hmm. like the sense of shadow and darkness is all around Christ's ultimate act of, of love. And then it opens itself up right, to light. Um, and so I think that his directives to his disciples saying, do not tell his vision to anyone until the son of man has been raised from the dead is saying like, you can't understand this until I, like I show you what dark and light actually is. <laughs> right. Like I will give you this vision in the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, per Daniel's. Reading. Yeah, and so uh, I'm reminded of C.S. Lewis's. Um, have you read? I don't know if you guys read um, "Till We Have Faces." Um, 
you know, it's his latest. I think it, he might have like died shortly after. Hmm. Well, I know his wife died right after um, he wrote that and the grief observed. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, um, it, it deals with uh, uh, this idea that holy places are dark places. That's mm-hmm. a phrase that he uses in this in this um, novel. Mm. Very mysterious novel. Um, very beautiful. But he says holy places are dark places. Um, I think a lot of people would be uncomfortable with that sense, especially the um, the charismatic, uh, you know, feel good is faith, mm-hmm. you know, feelings are faith. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, I think it's getting at this idea that holy places are dark places. Faith is a sense of darkness, but once you pass pass through it, then you're opened up to mm-hmm. eternal life and light itself. So. Yeah. Well, also in the psalm, it says that clouds and darkness are around are are around about him. Um, yeah. Around about him. Yeah, so it. it's. <clears throat> so there's like yeah. I, I think the the idea of picturing God as surrounded by darkness, mm-hmm. or that you know the understanding God is you know darkness to your mind, it it can be a bit uncomfortable because you usually you associate goodness with light, yeah. you associate holiness with light, but I think you could take you know something like Saint Bonaventure sent in the mount sent of the a mind to God. In in that in his writings, getting closer to God is brightness, but at the top, uh, it's like you know staring into the sun. It's like mm. you can't see it anyway. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. though it's the most bright thing, mm-hmm. and then with Saint John of the Cross, it's the exact opposite. You know, it's a descent into to a darkness, but you can't see anything there anyway. So, again, I think it's like a, a divine, uh, I don't know, divine paradox. Mm-hmm. It's like to to say that God is surrounded by darkness is not. It's not an evil imagery, mm-hmm. but it's just more, I think, emphasizing that you can't understand. It's a mystery that cannot yeah. be completely understood. This is why I think that um, nowadays f- the idea of faith gets so much flack is because faith is often interpreted as just uh, as just light mm-hmm. uh, and saying like, oh, just have faith and you can – faith can move mountains, so you can do anything by faith. And the, the uh, mischaracterization there is that people of faith are bl- like blind to reality. Mm-hmm. It's like you're, you're just naive, you know, like people who have faith are naive because they're not aware of the um, suffering, you're, you're like the reality of death, like what do you make of, um, you know, evil in light of goodness? All these things are important questions. Um, but I think faith is mis- often misunderstood as just like uh, naivete and blind, right. like just blind following. A forgetting of, of sorts. Yeah. Um, but as we said, like if we understand it from this idea that uh, it's it transcends reason, it's not contradictory towards reason, uh, and that we actually all act on faith, by faith, natural faith, every day, by trusting people, you know, friendship and all those things um, are not rational per se. Um, right. Uh, I think faith uh, in that way, um, I think modern, the modern... Um, Atheists, I guess, or, or like, you know, the, the people that are anti-faith. Yeah, and r- r- rationalists. Um, their arguments doesn't hold up, hold up as well to an authentic understanding of faith, especially as faith as darkness. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the hero's journey. I think equating it to the hero's <laughs> journey is, yeah, like, you know, to talk about it symbolically in a, mm-hmm. in a kind of um, Joseph Campbell kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, typically, actually, uh, typically, actually, um, <laughs> the um, when I've preached on the transfiguration, 
the reading, uh, the first reading was actually attached to um, uh, Abraham's um, calling mm. into a new country. And that's like the archetypal um, moment of faith for yeah. Abraham. He's like the father of faith. And he goes out into a, a country unknown to him. Um, and so that's another reading that's often paired with the transfiguration that, again, fits very well with um, faith, darkness, right. opening up yourself to light. So, anyway, that's just a bunch of thoughts there. So. Um, what? <laughs> this is a question for both of you. What's going on with Peter? He just seems a little aloof. Oh, yeah. Is there something deeper than the fact that he's just like not quite understanding what's going on? And he's like, oh, we, oh should oh, I make yeah. you some tents? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It just seems like, like dude, you don't... This... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's... um, I think historically, what is it? The Feast of... The Jewish Feast of Tabernacles. Tabernacles, yeah. That um, you know, God dwells in, in a tent in the wilderness. Yeah. Kind of thing. So I think there's some... There's supposed to be some allusion to that mm. of like... um. It's it's good that we're 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 here. Let's keep kind of the glory of God in a, in a tent. Mm. I think. Yeah, uh, and I think by the this like he says while he was still speaking, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them, and then a voice came out from the cloud. I think so. Basically, like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, there's a couple things going on. I think first of all, it's like oh. shut up, like you don't <laughs> like you know like. I think he was like maybe maybe there's a sense of like nervousness that he's talking a lot mm-hmm. like you know in the in yeah. the midst of something so profound, but I also think that, you know, to give Peter his due, I think he was right to perceive the glory of Christ's divinity. Um, he's acting out of the tradition, like Lee said, of the Feast of the Tabernacles. Like we must create a place for God to dwell. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that this shadow interrupts him, and he said, "This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him." There's a sense of like, God doesn't dwell in the tents anymore. He dwells among the people, mm. and like there's this closeness of divinity yeah. that like it, it transcends the tradition of yeah. separating God, sequestering him to the tents. It's right? like he, you're not bringing him down. He's here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like as if you can. Bu- it's almost like what um our Lord said to David when David wants to build him a temple. He's like, can you actually build a house for God? Mm. Right. Uh, it's like God will dwell where he chooses mm. and he chooses to dwell among the people yeah. in a sense. So yeah, that's my understanding. Yeah. And, and you also have the, the, the <clears throat> overshadowing image of the, of the cloud that happens. The, the, the cloud of God kind of overshadows the, the temple or, or the, the meeting place in the old Testament in the yeah, wilderness. Right. So there's some, uh, there's some old Testament imagery going on there. Totally. But, I do think it's Peter kind of remembering his his uh, Jewish past, mm. but I think you're right, Father, to say that, you know, both of you are right, to say that it's like God no longer dwells in the tent. Mm-hmm. He dwells within me. Yeah. Like, I, like mm-hmm. I am here. Don't don't worry about the tents. Right. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Exactly. Um, yeah. And so, you know, with this Old Testament um, illusion, we also have Moses and Elijah there, too. Um, and so, I, you know, there's a, there's a connection here too, that while Christ is bringing something new, he's not severing himself completely from the past. Moses stands for the law and Elijah, as we were talking about earlier, um, stands for the prophets. And so in Christ, the law and the prophets are fulfilled. 
Um, mm-hmm. Any other imagery there with Moses and Elijah they can they want to bring up? Um, well, they both received revelations on top of a mountain. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Moses goes up the mountain to receive the commandments and to commune with God, and then likewise, uh, Elijah goes to Mount Carmel. Uh, same thing um, to to receive a revelation of God, but I think even then, you know, Moses talks to God in in, in the clouds, right? Like I think he's kind of mm-hmm. God yeah. is is shrouded. And the same thing with with Elijah, he he hears kind of the the tiny whisper of God and covers his face. Mm-hmm. But here is sort of like God's glory completely manifested and completely yeah. put on on display. So on you know so it, it's a fulfillment of both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um as well as you know something greater than the law and something right. greater than the prophets. Yes. And what's interesting about Elijah it's it's kind of a coincidence. Um I was um listening to uh Peterson's podcast with Douglas Murray. He did a recent one. Mm-hmm. Um and uh he actually mentioned the transfiguration in that podcast. Um, and so I was listening to that before we were we were recording today. But he said that Elijah uh, was really the first Old Testament figure to have this idea that God dwells within us, the small voice of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, that the, 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 yeah, the small voice of conscience um, that dwells within all of us. That actually, there's like a, a a hint of the divine within mm-hmm. us, and that's where we can actually listen to God in a small like whispering of the wind. Mm. Um, and you know, we, um, some of us know that story pretty well. Uh, like Elijah is looking for God, and there's a thunderstorm and a, right. an earthquake, mm-hmm. but God is not found in those. Rather, mm-hmm. He's found in the small whispering. Mm. Um, I think that to to the, the that revelation that that God can be within us and that we just listen within the quietness of our hearts to find God is also part of the transfiguration. Yeah. That it's actually within man that Christ, uh, that his divinity is revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, of course, person of Christ, not just like man separated from God. Right. Um, but there's this idea that like inhumanity is divinity mm. and di- uh, the human and divine are interacting with each other in a way that they've never interacted with before, hinted at by Elijah, right. but fulfilled in Christ. Um, you also yeah. have the <clears throat> the uh, symbolism that Peugeot talks about a lot of like the left and the right hand, um, where Moses is kind of that right hand law, top down mm-hmm. from God, direct instruction. Um, and Elijah is that kind of left hand, crooked, almost bottom-up, like the whisper mm-hmm. perspective. And so you have this like mm. top-down and, and bottom-up perspective of how God communicates with us, yeah. either from phenomenologically, from like the whispers in our in our everyday life, or from top-down revelation. Yeah. Um, and so that's what like law, the law and the prophets being on the left and the right hand of Christ, being like Christ is the center at which all of that Meets. spins around. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that Elijah would receive this tiny whisper because the prophet's role is, is not simply to tell the future, but to call the people back to faithfulness to the covenant. Mm. And right. by doing that, you kind of sting your conscience. Mm-hmm. You, know, you sting like that, that tiny voice that you either are listening to or have not been listening to. Yeah. So that's the, the prophet's role is to listen to that whisper. Mm. Just a small redaction 
it's not the the feast of tabernacles it's the feast the feast of booths oh mm. booths yeah booths okay okay is um the like israelites dwelling in tents and the god's mm-hmm. yeah. presence okay in the, in the tabernacle or um, in, in in the tent within the, the yeah. tents yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay um Good catch. But yeah, no, all that imagery, all the imagery in the gospel is tied to Moses's, Moses and Elijah's own experience. Because, you know, Jesus, you know, his, um, he, he's shining, he's bright. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is said of Moses. Because um, he sees God, right? That, like the one who has seen God. Is that like... Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's like a whole interesting thing because it's, it's like... Yeah, who can you, see God? Who can see God and <laughs> yeah. live, but yet... And then there's also sort of this weird, like, uh, divine terror mm-hmm. that, you know, the people don't want to look mm-hmm. at Moses' face. Right. Mm. Um, it, it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's like too magnificent. Himself. Yeah, yeah, he veils himself. Um, whereas here, it's an unveiling, and um, Peter and the rest of the, and the, Peter was a Peter, James, and John, yeah. like, respond sort of like the Israelites in the Old Testament. You know, they fall down in worship, and they're sort of fearful. Like um, when Moses was communicating on the mountain, you know, they say it's it's, it's too scary, it's too mm-hmm. fearful, or, or too frightening. Um, but yet they, Peter still has like this boldness mm-hmm. to speak and say, it is good that we're here, you know, let's, let's stay. So I, I don't know if there's, Supposed to be like a small commentary on the the shift of, of the fear that one is supposed to feel before Christ. Mm-hmm. That, that you know, that's just a. Thought. He does say Jesus does come down and touch them and say, "Rise and do not be afraid." Yeah. Yes. Right. So I wonder. Yeah, that's that is interesting. And, yeah, and and Peter's talking can be labeled as a kind of fear. Um, mm, yeah, like he's almost like babbling, like out of out of fear. <laughs> Um, again, I don't, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of this interpretation where it's just solely like, oh, he's just talking because he's like, it's nonsense. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they, uh, like a lot of times, like a lot of people paint the disciples as like buffoons, you know, mm-hmm. and there is, there is a sense of like, our Lord is patient with them and teaching them, you know, and, and there's, there are character arcs for all the apostles, mm-hmm. um, but they're not like just idiots also. Like there's a reason why like. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why the gospel writers like give them the lines that they're giving. Yeah, at the very know? least, there's a reason why it's in the gospel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's give him, let's give Peter his due. <laughs> well, and, and speaking of Peter too, let's. I, I want to turn to the second reading a little bit. Um, this is the second reading comes from the second letter, letter of Saint Peter. Yeah. And th- in this uh, letter, he's talking about. Well, th- in this um, particular reading, he's talking about um, him actually uh, uh, seeing a transfiguration. And mm. I love how he begins it with saying, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. Mm. And so they're not making, like, in, in other words, Christ trans, being transfigured on the mountain is a revelation of how creation ought to be. Going back to my point about like miracles, right. revealing how like, you know, the, the order of creation, how it ought to be before the fall. Like this is the pattern of reality. We don't make it up. Like we adhere to it. Mm-hmm. And so Peter's saying here that like, this is what's been revealed. And, you know, it's almost like he's responding to criticism saying like, well, you're just, you know, you're, you're good rhetoricians. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're like a sophist that's like clever. 
and trying to just like, you know, uh, spread the gospel for your own profit. And, and th- he's saying, no, this is just what has been revealed to us. And so as Christians, if we do believe um, that Christ is, that Jesus Christ is Lord, then we believe that this is what's been from the beginning. And there's no other way for man to become divinized, to attain eternal life, to be happy mm-hmm. than Christ. And that's what we're seeing. It's like, this is, this is reality. And we don't get to judge it. You know, it judges us, like I said before. Uh, and I think that's what Peter is getting here. Mm-hmm. A big Peter, he, he's getting at here. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this uh, second reading does highlight the more historical character of the New Testament and the historical character of, of Christianity, really. is yeah. just trying to say that um, this is what I'm writing to you is based on not a prior myth or a philosophy. I think um, Paul talks Paul about says, you know, yeah. uh, that this isn't. Like the Greeks have you know the, their philosophy, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah, right. But this is uh, based on an eyewitness account. Yeah, that this is this is what we saw. This is what we heard, and we now pass on to you. Yep. Um, yeah, so it, it yeah it highlights the the more uh, historical emphasis, I would say. Yep. And he's also giving credence to um, the power of the prophetic message. Um, mm. You know, again, connecting it to um, the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah. He says, we possess the prophetic message that is altogether reliable. Like, this is what we're trusting in. Um, you'll do well to be attentive to it. I like that. As a lamp shining in a dark place, we t- talked about this. Um, it, he gets into some beautiful symbolism. Um, like a lamp shining in a dark place until day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. But it's interesting that you, you, you have this idea that this is what we put our trust in. This is like the way reality unfolds to us. And this is who we're called to be through the revelation of Christ. The world around you is a dark place. Mm. But keep your eyes fixed on the light mm-hmm. and move towards it. Uh, because if you're not, you're going to be attentive to darkness, right? And, and you're going to be nihilistic, right? And to, yeah. to use a, a, a dark imagery. <laughs> uh, like, if you don't keep your eyes fixed on the light, the only alternative is death. Right. And darkness. Yeah. It is and also interesting good. how he kind of ties in uh, that kind of, the point of like what Elijah stands for, as you were saying, what Peterson was saying, that voice in our in our hearts because he says you you will do well to be attentive to it as a lamp shining in a dark place until day dawns and the morning star rises those are all like external lights but then he like flips it and it's like in your hearts you know what I'm saying like that light that's outside that's like shedding light onto your path is also in you yeah and that's the whole point is that it's like it's like both those things it's the thing above you that you cannot judge that is the means by which you will be judged mm-hmm. but also that is in you that will direct your conscious. Yeah. It's uh, it's also interesting the um, play of of artificial and natural. Mm. So he says it, it it it's still even though Christ has come and revelation has been brought, there's still this idea that the veil is still not entirely lifted. Mm. So until Christ comes again, you have to, you have a lamp that's shining mm. in the darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something that is not the, not the, sun. the not the sun. Right. Until you have, you know, day dawns. Right. So mm-hmm. that that's the light that mm-hmm. nobody creates. 
and that is not um, temporary or artificial. Mm-hmm. So that the the day dawns, you know, I'm taking it as Christ's return. Mm-hmm. Until yeah. then, it's like there's this sense that you, what you have is still imperfect. Right. It's it's good right. for sure, but it's not the fullness. Mm. Um, yeah. But then you're right. Then there's this added thing of the morning star in your hearts. Right. So you can well, say, the, it, yeah. It's almost like the fulfillment of your hope is, is met. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a lamp shining in a dark place until day dawn. So like you're moving forward until that final day. And like, that's what we're hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really a, a, a call to hope. Mm-hmm. Like be attentive to it where you're in a dark place, but one day, day will dawn and the hope in your hearts will be fulfilled by faith, right? Like you're, you're the faith and hope will be fulfilled. Um, if you keep your eyes fixed on that mm. on that light, so yeah, like it's, it. it's, it's a powerful feast day. Um, yeah, I, I forgot um, how much like Old Testament imagery is in that. Yeah, uh, in that gospel passage, because um, like I said, you have the overshadowing, which I think is the yeah, it's the same Greek word for. Um, the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary. Mm. And then you have right. the overshadowing of the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. Um, you have the voice, the divine voice, you have in, in Exodus, but you also have it at Christ's baptism mm-hmm. speaking. And then you have it again here, right. you know, saying, listen to my son. Mm. Um, there's sort of this whole like transition from old to new. They, um, it says that, they were conversing with him, right? Yes. So Moses and Elijah mm-hmm. were conversing with Christ. So this, what the law imperfectly foreshadowed and what the prophets pointed to are now conversing with mm-hmm. that, which, that, which what they were waiting for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or that which they were pointing to. And of course you have the idea that Christ is what? Priest, prophet, and king. So yeah. he's, he's got, he has the law. He has the prophets, and then I guess he's exalted his, as a king. Yeah, exactly. No, you know, yeah, totally. Well, well, that's what the first readings point to is that yeah. the, the Messiah is not just um, a prophet, a prophet. Or, yeah, but he's also a king. He he receives. He says, "The Son of Man received dominion, glory, and kingship over yeah. all peoples." Right. So, since the image, since the imagery of the the transfiguration is foreshadowed in this from Daniel, you can kind of see that. His the light imagery is all supposed to point to this glorious kingship. Mm-hmm. Yep. And of course, in the beginning of Matthew, he's called Jesus is called the Son of David. You know the the king. Right. Yep. You know I never realized until we started recording um, just how much no how much um, imagery of darkness is actually in all the readings. Mm-hmm. Um, like I you know I but when I preached on the Transfiguration before, I've always under like I I've I've always seen that imagery of of shadow and like faith as entering into darkness, but I didn't realize that it's just it's it's actually it's a it's an important symbol that's in all the readings, like like we yeah. pointed out. So I, you, this is probably too general of a statement, but you could argue that covenants are made at night or in darkness. Mm-hmm. So the there's that um, terrifying dream that. Abraham has he puts he says like God puts him into like a, a deep sleep mm-hmm. or to in, in a darkness or whatever, 
And then that's when he has the covenant with Abraham. But that deep sleeper, like terrifying darkness, is the same phrasing as when God puts uh, Adam to sleep. Mm. And it creates a covenant with Adam, mm. you know, man and woman. Mm. Um, trying to think of some other ones. Obviously, at night, well, you wouldn't, you could say it was maybe not at night, but in darkness that the covenant was made with Moses. Maybe. And then you have the eternal covenant made at night, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Last Supper. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, cause there's, there's a lot of things about this. I think as Matt pointed out, I think earlier, you know, revelation and darkness or revelation mm-hmm. or visions in the night kind yep, of thing. Yep. There's there's something there. Yeah, absolutely. I Maybe, and, and it is a sense of, um, like whenever you make a covenant, there is a sense of faith that you're putting yourself into the other party. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so it's like, I trust you that you're going to uphold your end. Mm-hmm. And it's a kind of letting go and an unknowing, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So that dark, that darkness with the covenant makes a lot of sense. So. Yeah, even just the, the mere symbolism of sleep is like a mini death. You know, like mm-hmm. you die and then you rise again in the morning. And so like Jesus calling Matthew into the darkness is that like call to death, mm-hmm. that call to sleep. But it's like, oh, so, you know, is faith a type of turning off your intellect? Is your intellect dead? It's like, right. no, it's different than death, but it's like a sleep. Yeah. You know I'm saying it's like a, a consciousness that's not uh, fully engaged, but it's participating in a different way. That's yeah. beyond reason. Um, and, and that's where you get the crazy dreams. Like, that's where you get all the symbolism and the patterns is when you're in that state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah. Like I said it's probably a, <coughs> a, a medieval stretch, you know, when it comes to interpretation that these are all made at night or in, in darkness. But mm-hmm. there's probably some truth there. Let's go with that. Yeah, I you know. like it. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I think I think we can make it work. I'm trying to think of David, mm. um, in, in his in his uh, his covenant, but you could probably argue darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, not, not, I mean, listen, you know. I'm not going to preach that to my people, but you know, that's let's <laughs> do that on a podcast. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it works. Yeah, speculative theology. I love it. <laughs> um, that's good. Yeah. There's, I'm trying to see some other stuff here. There's, there's, there's just, yeah, there's, there's so much. Revelations on mountains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sense. Well, and you know, you have a uh, in um, the Catholic practice of Eucharistic adoration, we put the monsters on a tabor, right, and that's where we get that um, mm. word from is Mount Tabor, uh, and so the idea that. Christ is revealed to us in the Eucharist, mm. uh, elevated on a, uh, you know, quote unquote mountain, a, mm-hmm. sy- a symbolic mm-hmm. elevation of a mountain um, that we call the Tabor. Uh, and the idea there is that like we're looking at his sacrificed body mm-hmm. like on the cross and that's what's elevated. And the more that we are able to just sit with that and focus on it, as, as uh, Peter says, be attentive to it, uh, like Christ on the Tabor, mm-hmm. then we're going to model our lives after that and become more like him. So Nice. Yeah. That's all I've got. Final thoughts? That's it? <laughs> yeah. All of that? Yeah. <laughs> any, more, um, any more notes about, you know, the, the new model we're following? or No, I think we said everything. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I'll officially probably be leaving at the end of this month. Um so I'll still still be around to yeah. throw my 
contributions. Um, if you guys want to ask questions, you can go to basically related podcast at gmail.com and send a question. Uh, maybe put like question in the subject line or something that's denoting because otherwise I'll just mark it as spam. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening.